0: Praise the Lord. How many believe that? God is good to me. Give Him a big hand. We love Him. He is good and kind to us. Praise the Lord. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them you are glad they're here. Well, are you having a good day today? I must confess, I'm a little depressed. You need to pray for me. No, it's true. Duck season is over today. I thought about going this morning and my wife said, honey, you're the preacher. You need to go to church. So anyway, just kidding, sort of, but I am glad to be here. Hey, we're going to have a good time together as we open the Word of God today. Let me just commend you for being in the house of the Lord. There is something defining in our life when we make the people of God, when we make worship when we make the teaching of the Word of God a priority, it just kind of helps the regularity of our gathering together, helps our spiritual life. I mean know you don't have to, go to, church to have, uh, go to church to get to heaven, but it makes the journey there a lot easier, and it makes the journey a lot more productive as we keep our focus on eternal things. Before we open the Bible together, I want to show you a little video clip today as America is pausing to remember another anniversary of Roe versus Wade, the great Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion in America. I want you to see a little commercial that's showing across America today about the woman, the plaintiff in the lawsuit, the original Jane Rowe of the Roe vs. Wade, and she's now become a Christian. And I want you to just take a peek at her story.
1: Most of you won't recognize me or my real name. It's Norma McCourty. I'm also known as Jane Rowe, the plaintiff in the Supreme Court case, Roe vs. Wade which legalized abortion in America and changed our nation in an unprecedented way. Back in 1973, I was a very confused 21-year-old with one child and facing an unplanned pregnancy. At the time, I fought to obtain a legal abortion, but the truth be told, I have three daughters and have never had an abortion. However, upon knowing God, I realized that my case, which legalized abortion on demand, was the biggest mistake of my life. You see, abortion has eliminated 50 million innocent babies in the U.S. alone since 1973. Abortion scars an untold number of post-abortive mothers, fathers, and families too. You read about me in history books, but now I'm dedicated to spreading the truth about preserving the dignity of all human life, from natural conception to natural death.
0: Unfortunately, her changing her mind doesn't matter in America today. But you know what? I just want to commend you for joining me in standing for life at all stages today, whether it's the life of an unborn child in the womb to an elderly person who has no more contribution to society or someone who knows some handicap that they can't contribute. I mean, no, life is valuable because we bear the image of God. We're created in God's image, and what makes us valuable is not the way we look, it's not what we contribute, but it's the fact that we're created in the very image of God Almighty. And uh, I just want to encourage you. You know, our, our world today has kind of lost its moral bearing. Many of you, like me, all of us, have in some way been touched by abortion. Many of you, like me, in a first first party way. But yet, God wants us to stand for life. The, our media today won't let us know that uh, uh, there were from 500,000 to 750,000 people that stood for life in our nation's capital this week. It's kind of on the back burner in America, but I want to commend you for your stand for life at all ages. If you, someone in your family, someone you love, has a pregnancy that's unwanted or unplanned for, let us help you. This will not be a place that will condemn you. Uh, How many know you're just sitting next to somebody who makes a lot of mistakes too, and you're looking at a guy who's made mistakes in his life, and we'll help you. We'll help you find a way to give that baby a chance in life, whether you raise the child or give it for adoption. I know people that have spent tens of thousands of dollars just to raise a child. So, listen, God bless you, and this is a church that values all of us. Come on, at all stages of life. Turn your Bibles, First Thessalonians, chapter 5. I've been doing a series the last couple weeks called God Still Speaks. Can you say that with me? God Still Speaks. I know many of us are from a religious tradition that believe that God spoke, but He no longer speaks. And I want to encourage you to give thought this morning to what I'll have to say, to look at the Scriptures with me, to see this idea of God communicating with us is not mystical, it's not weird, but it's a normal part of the Christian life. After all, didn't Jesus say that His sheep knew His... Yeah. And there's a sense of intimacy that's there. Uh, As we've talked several weeks now on this series, how many know that uh, the primary way God speaks is through the Bible, the written Word of God? The main way God talks to us, come on, is through His eternal Word. Anything else that someone might tell you that God told me or whatever the case is, how many know if it doesn't line up with the Bible, just give it a pitch? The Bible is the authority. We also see in Scripture that God speaks to people through dreams, through visions, and through what's called the still small voice, where God would speak to us, uh, an inner witness of peace. Last week we looked at the idea of prophecy. Uh, we looked at the Bible's prophetic scriptures that foretell what's going to happen in the future. I mean, you know, the Bible talks a lot about the days ahead. We talked about the, the, uh, a New Testament ministry gift called a prophet. We talked about the gift of prophecy, which simply is a person under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit sharing a word, a song, or something written down that encourages or helps another person. It's just that simple. God encouraging me to help you. But yet the Holy Spirit can direct us and big, big things can happen. I want to show you one more quick video before we open the Bible together about James Robinson. His mother, uh, who is a Christian leader who's influenced millions of people around the world, and his mother was contemplating an abortion, but someone God used to help her make a decision to preserve his life, and I think it'll speak to you. Take a peek here at uh, Brother James Robinson.
2: What could be more precious, more innocent, more worthy of protection than the unborn? totally innocent life in the womb with so much potential, so many possibilities. My story, a practical nurse, a hospice nurse, 40 years old, caring for an elderly man, found herself imposed upon by an alcoholic son of that elderly man. She was forced to have a sexual relationship. She conceived a child. Finding herself pregnant, she went to have an abortion. A doctor in Houston refused. Somehow he seemed to convince her that in her room there were possibilities, and she reconsidered. My mother allowed me to be born, gave birth to me at age 41. I am the father of three, the grandfather of 11. We stopped counting after 20 million people who made professions of faith in Christ and tens of millions of people's lives have been saved around the world through our mission outreaches. Possibilities? my life. There are many people very grateful that a mother made a decision after facing a very difficult circumstance, and she gave birth to me. And I've been able to point so many people around the world to life, preciousness, and protecting the innocent.
0: In his book, Indivisible, he elaborates on this conversation between the doctor and the mom. The doctor said, "Ma'am, I don't. I simply do not believe this is the best. I believe the abortion is wrong." And now listen to this. My mother went home, sat down alone, and prayed. And God said, "Have this little baby, and it'll bring joy to the world." And God said, "Have the baby." Now, even if you're from a a Christian background of cessationism that believes that God no longer speaks, we all believe God answers prayer. Come on. We believe that God communicates in prayer. And here this woman said that the encounter with the doctor, whether he was a Christian or not, whether he knew he was giving godly advice, perhaps he was, but God used it. And as she paused to ask the Lord what to do, God showed her. Come on. And supernatural things began to happen through the life of this baby. So all of us would agree this morning that this idea of hearing God's voice, of God speaking to us in not a mystical, weird, or spooky way, but just the reality of our Heavenly Father, our loving Savior, the friend who sticks closer than a brother, is the one through the Holy Spirit that communicates to us words of life. Now, where we left off last week, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. That is, don't hold back. Don't pour water on the fire of the Holy Spirit. But verse 20, don't despise prophecies. That is, don't laugh at prophecies. Don't make fun of them. Don't say they're not necessary. But then it says a key phrase, verse 21, and I want you to say this out loud with me. But test everything and hold fast to that which is good. So think, this is a tension now. The scripture says, listen, the whole spiritual thing, the whole idea of God speaking, prophecies the Holy Spirit, he said, don't get rid of that, don't make fun of it, don't laugh at it, don't throw it away, but on the other hand, don't be naive and don't be so gullible that you believe everything that somebody says is God, is God. And therein lies the rub or the tension. Now my personality is such that, uh, that's very difficult for me. I want it to be black or white, yes or no, right or wrong, and that's the way it is. I don't like this mushy-in-the-middle stuff, and you've got to kind of figure it out and pray it out and think it out. But there is a subjective element of the Holy Spirit that the Bible tells us is the tension we're supposed to live in. We are supposed to, on one hand, jealously guard truth, but yet be open to the Holy Spirit of how He might speak to us of further things. So the question I'm going to pose this morning is, How do I know if something somebody tells me, how do I know if a prophecy is from God? How do I know if the dream that I had last night or a vision that I saw, how do I know if that was God or just my own imagination? How do I know if what I'm feeling inside after I prayed, the the peace or or the emotions or the feeling, how do I know if that's the Lord or is it just something that I want? Now, how many would say those are pretty good questions? And that's exactly what the Bible tells us to do with this subject is that we're to test and prove and hold fast to that which is good. Now, I, uh, as I said, I do, I do enjoy hunting and uh, I like to duck hunt and doves and turds, just different kind of fowl. But when you take them home, uh, you don't just throw them in the frying pan. When you take them home, because have anyone ever eaten a piece of meat that had a, a, a bullet in it that had a little bitty of piece of shot in it? I mean, you're just kind of chewing along. Imagine a chicken breast, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and all of a sudden you're eating, and there's this little BB in there, and you bite it, and you go, ah, and your tooth breaks. Well, the problem is what you need to do is you need to make sure on on Wild Game that there's no BBs in it, and you need what I'm going to call a truth detector. And this little thing will find the BBs in the duck breast. And if you can imagine, it's cleaned. It's like a chicken breast, and you lay it out, and I just take this little wand, and I move it around on both sides. And all of a sudden, you don't just throw it away. No, you get a little knife, and you dig around, and you find the BB, and you pull it out, and then you can have an enjoyable meal. And that's exactly what this scripture is saying. Don't quench the Spirit's fire, but then test all things. And if you hear a little bit of that, pause, get rid of that, and then keep going. Let me kind of tell you how to to explore this this morning. I'm going to give you four questions to ask. If someone gives you a word and they say, hey, the Lord told me to tell you this, or whatever the case is, how do you know? And I'm going to give you four questions that it's worth taking a peek at and writing down. But, But first, let me tell you this. Not everything with God's name on it comes from God. Let me say it again. Not everything that says God said is God. Now, Jeremiah chapter 14, and I want to kind of look at this from two perspectives. One is there are outright lies and deception where somebody's trying to manipulate you. You remember Jesus said in Matthew 24 when he was asked about the end of the world and the second coming, the first thing he said was don't be deceived. yeah, don't be deceived for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ. Now, Jeremiah tells us there's lies and deceptions, but on the flip side of the scale, I believe there's honest mistakes where there are Christians that are good people that are not trying to trick you or anything, but they just told you something was the Lord, and it wasn't, and they made a mistake. And let's kind of pause there just a moment. Jeremiah 14, about the lies now. The prophets say to them... Now, here's the scenario. Jeremiah is in a day where the nation is going in a ditch, and Jeremiah is warning them that their actions are wrong and sinful, and they need to turn back to God. But then there's a whole other group of prophets that say, oh, no way, that's not going to happen. So you had two opinions or two voices, and they're opposite. The prophets say to them, you're not going to see the sword. You're not going to have a famine, but God says, I'm going to give you peace. But verse 14, the Lord said to me, to Jeremiah, the prophets are prophesying, yeah, prophesying lies, and to make it worse, in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. Uh, The Bible goes on to say, they're prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. Very manipulative. Now, the New Testament echoes this. 1 John 4, 1, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. However, you don't throw away everybody that claims to speak by the Spirit. And this is kind of where the rub and the tension is. Don't believe everything, but yet believe and be open. It's an awkwardness there, and for some of us, it's harder than others. But he goes on to say, you must, you must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God, for there's many false prophets in the world. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but in testing them, you look at their character, you look at their fruit, you look at their theology, Now, what I mean by theology is, do what they believe and represent, does it line up with the Word of God? There have been many great pastors in America today that, that started out in the evangelical tradition, Pentecostal churches, but all of a sudden they espoused a doctrine called universalism. Universalism is basically this. There's many roads up the mountain, many ways to heaven. God is a good God. He'd never send anybody to hell. The only problem with that is Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So even a God that's having a great church on TV, how many know even He can make a mistake? See, so the Bible says that we're to test things, their character, their fruit, and their theology. Now, now, let me move on from... There's not just lies and manipulation, but there's also honest mistakes. Now, here's a provoking scripture. 1 Corinthians thirteen nine. He says this, Our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals even the gift of prophecy reveals only part other translation says we know in part we prophesy in part if you have any experience with this you might be able to relate to this but typically if you feel like you have a word for someone rarely is it like the book of revelation of 20 chapters usually it's an impression uh, sometimes i'll see pictures sometimes i'll hear words Yesterday I was as I was praying for the service today and I was praying in the altar walking around. What do you want us to do in the ministry time? And I if I can just say it this way, I heard this word, people are having problems sleeping. So it's like a little it's a glimpse, it's a picture. If you were blind and you'd never seen before, and somebody said, I'm about to show you an elephant, and you went up to the elephant and you just touched its trunk, you would describe it as something very long, very an elephant, you know, is, is long and skinny. If he took you around to the tail, you'd say an elephant is short and curly. And if he took you to a foot, you would say, golly, this is like a, I don't know, a trunk of a tree. And if you just saw that little part and tried to make an elephant either a trunk or a tail or a foot, how many know you'd miss it? And oftentimes, well-meaning people might, might have a glimpse of something God's saying, but then they might add to it a little bit or explain it, and then they get off base. Let me illustrate this for you. Uh, we had what we what we call a prophetic presbytery, based from Paul's words in Timothy, the elders or the presbyters, and we had uh, prophecy meetings for Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, how many came to that? No, I'm gonna tell you what. It was pretty powerful. I mean, words of knowledge, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about it, words of knowledge describing uh, kids in somebody's household, didn't know they had kids, describing kids that were away from God coming back, talking about uh, the, the business and profession that someone's in. We had a testimony, we'll probably show it next week, where it was a word of knowledge of uh, healing, in particular problems in a leg. And the very next day, I got a word from a guy who worked at Cooper Tire. He said, you know what, I was exactly the guy. I stood up and I'm healed, I don't have any more pain. So there was a lot of cool things that happened supernaturally. And I would say of what I heard those nights, 60% I could just say, ooh, man, right on absolute. But because I didn't know all about the person's life, there was about 35% that I'd say, well, I think so, but I'd like to talk to them about that. And then there was about 5% where I thought, I uh, think you missed it on that one. Now, I have grown in my spiritual life to where I'm comfortable doing this. Don't despise or throw away prophecy. But prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. So if the Bible tells you to hold fast to that which is good, it implies something is not good. So what I have grown to do in my life is given people the freedom to do their best to try to hear from the Lord, and if they make a mistake, give them a little grace. Because if I know I'm not being manipulated or controlled or deceived intentionally, how many know we can grow together? Uh, Imagine now your kids when they're starting out. uh, Rebecca played basketball for the first time this year. And I thought to myself, after her first little uh, demo there, I thought, we're going to invest more money and time in cheerleading. But she really wanted to do it. And she was playing. And before I knew it, I watched a game. And that girl was making points. And I said, she may take after her daddy after all. (laughs) What's the point? You grow into it. She said, Daddy, I don't know that I'm going to get on the A-team because I don't know anything about the game. I don't even know what the free-throw line is, and I don't know how to guard people or anything, and they want to teach me first. Well, as you're learning, how many know you have grace for people? Come on, when your kid's playing T ball, and, and they hit the ball, and they run to third base rather than first, what do you do? Go! Yeah, run, run, run! But now, if you're a senior in high school, and they ran to third base first, that's a different story. How many know this ability as a Christian to grow up and hear the voice of the Lord? We need to mature and grow in it. So anyway, that's just a little extra there. Uh, Let's go into these four questions now. If somebody tells you, and specifically my point this morning is, how do I know if God is talking to me through another person? I'd suggest these four questions. You can write them down or pick them up on the Internet in a day or two. Here's the first one. Does their word line up with the written word of God? Let me say it again. Does what they told you line up with the Bible? For example, let's say you're a contractor. And how many of the Bible's pretty clear about not stealing, about being honest? Well, what if they tell you, look, man, nobody checks this. They're so backlogged and things. Just go ahead and just fill out the form. We'll make some extra money and nobody will know. After all, this could be the way God's going to provide for you. Come on. They may even say the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. So somebody's telling you, connecting God to something that the Bible teaches against. I'd throw that away. How about this? There's nothing wrong with being gay. God made you that way. After all, there's gay churches. There's gay priests. There's gay bishops. And we all think it's a good thing. Here's what you need to do. What does the Bible say? Now listen, 2 Timothy 3.16 And if you kind of pull back from me just a little bit on that, I want to ask you to do this. Don't put me in the box of a bigot or a homophobe, just a moment. Let me help you arrive at how you figure out what's true and what's false. Because this is big. Because truth is not determined with a microscope, a telescope, a philosophy class, a professional association, or the will of the people. Truth, come on, is birth from God Himself. Second Timothy three sixteen, all scripture is inspired by God. Now here's the deal. It either is or it's not. And you've got to make a decision, am I going to go with the Bible or am I going to reject it? As most of America is. He goes on to say Scripture is useful to what's it say? Teach, Teach us what's true and make us realize what's wrong in our life. That's big. Teach us what's true And show us what's wrong. So here's what I say to you. The Bible is the ultimate source of truth. And if somebody tries to tell me to... God's telling me something's okay or to do something that's against the Bible. (laughs) Dig it out and keep going. I would ignore them and obey God. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand. Now here's the second question I would ask. If somebody comes to you and says... Uh, And says, God's telling me to tell you this. Here's the second question I'd ask. What kind of reputation does that person have? What kind of fruit is in their life? Do they have a track record of godliness? Here's what Jesus said. Matthew 7, verse 15. Jesus said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In other words, Jesus is saying they look good on the outside. They may go to church, they may have a Bible, uh, they may pray a lot, they may sound very spiritual, but notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, you will recognize them by their fruits. Do you get a grape from a thorn bush or a fig from a thistle? In other words, when you want a peach, you go to a... Yeah, if you want an apple, you go to the grocery store because you don't have any... uh, Come on, apple trees growing in your yard. Somebody, though, went to the apple tree to get that piece of fruit. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus said, when you're close to somebody and they're talking to you, because here's what i found over time. A lot of times people are strong, insecure, manipulative, and they try to control you through those emotional issues. If you're close to them, you need to back up and say, okay, what kind of fruit's in your life? By that I mean this. What's your home life like? New Testament leadership was excluded if their home was not in order. Uh, are, Are they someone who tells the truth or somebody who lies? Come on. Are they somebody who is independent and rebellious? Or are they somebody who is submissive? Are they somebody who's humble? Or somebody who's prideful? Now, prideful people are not just braggadocious. Prideful people, though, are independent. Nobody tells me what to do. Come on. So, you look at their fruit. Are they somebody who does what Jesus said, wins souls, the the last great commission, or are they just somebody who always talks about the deeper things? See, what kind of fruit is in their life? And here's the question I'd ask you. If it's a significant decision you're about to make, in other words, a large purchase, uh, moving, changing jobs, uh, changing churches, marrying somebody, Why would God use someone that doesn't have good fruit? Come on, when there's godly people all around you. Why would God use someone that was not on the right wavelength with him when he's got lots of folks in your world that are living a godly life and have a great track record? Be careful of the influence that people make in your lives. So here's what I'd say. If they don't have good fruit, don't follow what they have to say. Look at their life. And if you've got enough of those going off, I'd say smile and thanking, God bless you, and get away from them myself. Here's a big one. The third question. What do godly leaders in my life say about this word? What do what do godly leaders say? This is you can use the phrase this spiritual covering. Now, Acts chapter 15, I may preach on this whole couple chapters next week. It's been the most exciting part of this series as I'm anticipating it. But the whole church in the New Testament was about to shift from a church of Jews in Jerusalem to the whole world and Gentiles, and the epicenter of church life shifted from Jerusalem to Antioch. And the way God did this was with a supernatural vision. Peter saw a sheet coming down from heaven, and he didn't have a clue what it meant. Well, lo and behold, they had to work that through the theology, through hundreds of years of Moses' teaching, and here's kind of, it arrived. Now, Acts 15, verse 1, certain people were teaching the believers. In other words, these are people in the church, and here's what they're saying, God says. Unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. Men understand circumcision. Women understand childbirth. Unless you're circumcised, that is, unless you do what Moses said, you're not going to heaven. So the question was, what what part of Judaism do we integrate into Gentile Christianity? But the most important thing in this is, how did they discern what was right and what was wrong? How did they make a decision of what God was saying? What they did, the Bible says, Saul and Barnabas, verse 2, were appointed to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders. They were the spiritual authority about the question. And then verse 28, after they talked about it, basically what happened, that's a great chapter. This huge theological shift began with a supernatural sign from God, a vision, God pouring out His Spirit on the Gentile people, and then the, the leaders wrestling with the question, talking theology, talking revelation, and all of a sudden, here's what they said in verse 28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, and to, us to lay no greater burden on the Gentiles uh, than, uh, than uh, than these requirements, and they listed a few things that wouldn't be offensive to Jews, and off the church went. So here's the third point. When they were trying to figure out what God's will was, they submitted themselves to godly leaders to a spiritual covering in their life. Let me tell you, one of the greatest protections of people who give words and people who receive words is a submitted heart. Let me read a scripture in Corinthians. They'll put it on the screen for you. It says, let two or three prophets, uh, say, two or three prophets should speak, and the others should, what does that mean? The others should judge what is being said. Now, what does that mean? That means that we're going to try to figure out if what you just told me is God or not. Mm -hmm. That we're going to not despise God speaking in the prophetic and the Holy Spirit, but we're going to... Try to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. And let me tell you, this is a minefield sometimes. Come on. If you try to do this, it is just difficult. Come on, somebody, with both hands and both feet. It is hard to hear the Lord. And I'm telling you, it's a little easier for me to hear for you. But when I'm trying to hear for myself, come on, I got emotions, I got desires, and all that in it, it gets complicated. Come on, which car do I buy? Where do I invest? should I marry should I not marry it's difficult at least for your preacher here to always know what the Lord's saying that's why there is safety not just in talking to people but in talking to the right people and proven godly counsel listen that's what shepherds and pastors and elders and overseers do and are able to provide for you but let me say this about submission submission is not permission giving I don't wanna run your life I can barely run my own come on don't say amen too loud But what it is, it's an attitude that you're willing to say, I'm going to drop my pride, drop my independence, and ask somebody else, what do you think? Now, I see this frequently when it comes to marriage. People will, well, I've had people over time say this, look, I'm not going to talk to that preacher because I know what he'll say. Now, stop just a minute. Here's what she's saying. If I tell that that preacher doesn't understand that he is fine looking, he's got money, come on now, I'm about to get a big ring on my finger. Now, look, that preacher just doesn't know that I'm going to pray him into the kingdom of God. Now, he's not a Christian right now, but honey, he's got not only a six-pack, but an eight-pack. Come on now. That man looks good. I want him. And just throw praying out the window. Shouldn't we just think, just a second, why would I not talk to someone? Come on. And it's not just me. You've got spiritual people in your life all around you why would I not talk to godly people in my life when I'm getting ready to make a big decision that's going to affect me for the rest of my life? See, there is safety in godly counsel. And again, let me say it again. I don't want to... It's not to try to tell you what to do. Listen, that's why people drink Kool-Aid with Jim Jones. You see, because they just... Whatever you say, I'll do. No, no, I don't want that. That's immaturity. But what you want to be is become a healthy, mature believer who can stand on your own feet, who can hear God, but also has a submitted heart. Come on. That you are spiritually mature and spiritually strong, but at the same time, you're a responsible adult with your life. See, this Christian thing is not about, is not about coming on the rule of a man, but it's about having a submissive heart to be able to submit ourselves, come on, in the big issues of life. And I'm telling you this. If someone ever tells you, I've got a word for you, but don't tell your preacher, come on, don't tell your Sunday school teacher. Or how about this, kids? Don't tell your mom and dad. You know what I would do to that person? I'd say, see you later. Uh, I don't know how you unfriend somebody on Facebook, but I would unfriend them over that one, okay? I mean, I, I have a weak ego. I need as many friends as I can, okay? The only friends I don't accept is is some of these uh, uh, girls with crazy names, come on that are looking for things other than Do they pop up on your Facebook? Now look, if somebody's name heck of a woman, don't befriend that person on Facebook. Now come on. Hot man Hottest man in the world. How many pictures do you look at before you decide? You understand what I'm talking about? Tell your neighbor, he's meddling now. (laughs) Let me give you one more. Submitting to godly people. And I'm telling you, I won't make a big decision in my life based on a prophecy unless I submit it to someone I trust. I'm preaching a little better than you're admitting this morning. Let me give you the fourth one. Here's the question. Does the Word confirm what I believe God is saying to me? Do I have peace about this thing? Now, let's go back to a scripture we looked at earlier. Colossians 3.15, the Amplified New Testament. It says this. Let the peace from Christ rule in your hearts. Stop just a minute. The peace from Christ. Where does that come from? The Holy Spirit. How many Christians in the room? Wave your hand at me here. What does the Holy Spirit do? He lives inside us. Didn't Jesus say He would guide us into all truth? Didn't Jesus say He was the counselor? What do counselors do? They speak to us. They show us things to come. Didn't that Jesus said about the Spirit would do? Well, the, the, the Spirit will give you peace. And the, uh, the uh, Amplified New Testament says it will be peace that acts as an umpire. And what does an umpire do? Balls, strikes, safe, out. He controls the game. I mean, she's back there saying, you're out, coach. Get out of here. That's what an umpire does. And God says there's something called a barometer of peace. It's like you got that turkey breast, and you're, you're looking at that thing and say, man, I'm going to cut it up in pieces, and I'm going I'm to put some salt and pepper and flour in it, and I'm going to eat that thing up and put some gravy on it. Come on now. And put some onions and mushrooms. But first, got to check it. If you don't have peace, this is peace. This is the absence of it. Have you hear any of that? Let me give an illustration on this. It was probably 14 years ago now. Linnell and I had two kids, John and Bethany. Great kids. Uh, and we wanted a third child. Uh, one of us were getting a little older. It was me, okay? Anyway, we wanted to have another baby. Instead of a baby, she had two miscarriages. It's probably the most difficult time of our married life. I mean, it's painful. If you've ever gone through that, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, praying, going home, crying. Here we are sitting in our house crying over, over a miscarriage. It's a true story. Lived in Wake Village. Didn't want to talk to anybody for a couple of days. And uh, lo and behold, I, I heard there was a, a rumor going around the church. Somebody that uh, Pastor Mike had made mad had left and was going around telling people, you need to get out of that church. God's judging that church. That church is cursed. Okay. Is that the Lord or is it not? Well, Okay. You know what? I asked a serious question. If somebody, listen, my problem is I'm going to think about what my critics have to say and sometimes too much because I don't want to mess up. And I don't have it all or know it all. But in this case, I think they missed it. But the bottom line is after we came out of it and kind of got back in life, here's the question again. Should we have another baby or should we not? You don't want to talk about emotion in it. We had emotion. There was a while she said, you know what, I don't want to have a baby anymore. I said, well, I still do. And then we flip-flopped. I didn't want to have the baby, and she did. And two years went by, and we're growing frustrated. And I finally took my own advice, and I asked a spiritual father, a counselor, an elder in my own life, and I've got him. I said, what do you think about it? I'll never forget this. He said, "He said, you know what, you've got two kids. They're beautiful kids. They're healthy. You've got a boy and a girl. Why don't you just be happy with that? The only problem was Rebecca was still in our heart. Now listen, we didn't have peace about the council, but we were submitted and it was not an issue of rebellion and independence. Come on. This is what I'm talking about. You, you have to be a mature Christian because ultimately you're going to answer for your life before God. That's right. See, but I'm telling you, the peace works. And Rebecca came into the world, come on, she's been the joy of my life. She empties my pocketbook. You know what I'm talking about? The last child. She gets away with virtually everything, off our first two kids say. All right, well, listen, I'm about done today. Those four questions, those four questions, does it line up with the Bible? What is the character, the fruit of the person that gave the word? What do godly people in my life have to say about it? And lastly, does it bring peace in my life? Do I get the yes from the Lord? Let me close with this scripture, Acts chapter 16. Now, I've been talking to you about if, if, if someone else gives me a word, not how about you yourself how about if you're feeling the Lord's telling you to do something how about if you have a dream or a vision and and how about if if you just feel an answer for prayer let me close with this cool scripture Acts 16 verse 6 now Paul is on his missionary journey he's out preaching the gospel doing what Jesus told him to do he goes through the region of Phygeria and Galatia and what's it say having been what does that mean it means the Holy Spirit said no. And it wasn't in a Bible verse. And I doubt he took out a billboard. Come on. I doubt he got down the road and there's this sign of Casper the ghost, you know, saying, no, Paul, don't go this way. I doubt he got a Facebook post and said the Holy Spirit says no, okay? He was probably friends on Facebook, with his Facebook with the Holy Spirit, but it was nothing like that. But somehow the Holy Spirit forbid him to go. Verse 7, when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, that's code for the Holy Spirit, did not allow them. So here you get the picture. They're moving, obeying God. They try to go here, and the Holy Spirit says no. Now, we don't know how this was communicated, but it probably was not circumstantial because they identified it with the Spirit. It could have been. It was probably something on the inside, it was probably something having to do dis- with discernment. And verse 9, the cool thing is this. God comes through. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Well, verse 10, when Paul had seen the vision, this communication from heaven, immediately we, not just Paul, we, this is Luke, traveling companions, they sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So what's the message here? Here's a guy, he's just trying to serve the Lord, make a difference in his life, but he's being supernaturally guided by the Holy Spirit at every key juncture. He's kind of like the James Robinson video when mom's thinking about having the abortion. Isn't that pretty cool? And a doctor says, I think this is a wrong thing for you. She prays and God says, a boy's coming, a child's coming, It's going to bring great joy to the world. Where here Paul is, he's out there living life. And and is there maybe a question we could ask here? You wake up in the morning after this vision, did it align with Scripture? Was it consistent with what God is telling me and calling me to do with my life? Absolutely. This vision didn't say quit preaching, it just said go left rather than right. Which, by the way, we're sitting in this room today because of that vision if you want to go look at a map, what you would see is that with a juncture point where if he'd have gone the first way he wanted to go, he'd have gone east towards India and China. But the Holy Spirit says, go west, young man. And he ended up in the Mediterranean world and ultimately Spain and ultimately, come on, Christopher Columbus, ultimately the Puritans. And they're taking gospel westward towards us. It happened because of this meeting. So, Is it aligned with Scripture? Is it consistent with what God has been speaking to me? Here's another one. What do godly people in my life say? Because it seemed to resonate with all the traveling companions because they were all in the boat together. And guess what? When they woke up in the morning, it seemed to have peace. Come on. They identified with it, and off they went. And the world was never the same because they had the courage to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what He says. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today, and I'm, I'm done. Well, I'm going to ask you to make a commitment with me this morning. I want to speak to you, Christian, face to face. I want to speak to you, God-fearer, people that love the Lord. Do you want to live this kind of Christian life? Would you like to be able to be led by God this way? Now look, there's nothing I can give you to make this happen, but I think it starts in our hearts by asking God to take us on this supernatural journey. I think it starts in our hearts by being willing to let go of the past because I don't know about you but I've been around some foolishness in spiritual things a willingness to leave that behind and say Holy Spirit I want you to take me to another level I want to see supernatural things happen in my life I want to be able to hear the Lord at those key junctures in life I want to make the right decisions I want to be spirit-led and I offer you my life to take me on that journey if that's you would you just stand to your feet with me and and we're going to worship the lord with a song and and i want to encourage you to do what i cannot do and only you can do offer yourself to god in this song let's sing it pastor
3: and word of god speak pour down like a rain washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay in and rest. You're home.
0: Today, just as an act of surrender, I slip my hands to heaven. As a little child, I say, Lord, I want you. Lord, I say that I don't know how to do this spirit-led thing on my own, but I want you to bring me there. I'm kind of like that kid playing t-ball. I'm running the third base sometimes rather than first. But I want you to grow me up spiritually. I want to end my life up being like Paul, who could have visions, who who could sense when the Holy Spirit says no and when the Holy Spirit says yes. I want to have, Lord, the courage to do what you say. I want to be like, like when James Robinson's mom was in a, a pickle, and it was going to be difficult, but yet somehow she knew what God wanted her to do, and she gave birth to a child that's changed the world. That's what we want tonight. And as we stand this morning before you, we say, Lord, would you come to us in a fresh way? Come to us in a fresh way, Lord. Let us leave the past behind, the, 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 the weirdness, all, or whatever we, our past might have been. Let us leave it behind. And let us go forwards as spiritual men and women that are mature enough to seek prophecy, not stifle it, but test all things. And then hold fast to that which is true. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Hey, it was good this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, come on, give the Lord a good hand. It was a great day today. Great day this morning. Let me encourage you. We're going to close with prayer, so don't quite turn me off yet. But I I would encourage you, we need some more chairs on Sunday morning. If you'd consider coming to our first service at 9 or Saturday night at 6, try one of those out. Just do it for a couple months and rotate a bit. It would help us a bit. But let me ask you to do this this morning. I'll ask you this question. What has the Holy Spirit said to you this morning? Has there been something just resonating inside you that you need to kind of seal that with God in a very personal way? I'd encourage you, don't run out before it's over. Don't run out before, you know, God is finished with your life. If you're here this morning, and maybe you're like me. There was a period of time in Linnell's in my life, and and, uh, when we left California, we'd had some bad experiences with prophecy and words, and I told myself, listen, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to have a church like that. So I took about six months, and I went the other extreme. And I said, no prophecy, no words, we're just going to teach the Bible. And you know what? That was as bad as the other extreme. When you try to cut the Holy Spirit out, come on, and say you're not welcome here, gee, that's bad, and that was bad, but somewhere in the middle, come on, is this tension where I try to hear the Lord as best I can. I give people grace when we mess up, come on, but we build it on the Word of God. And maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've had a bad experience, and you want to leave the past behind. Maybe you've had a big disappointment personally. Maybe you prayed about something and thought God was telling you something and it didn't happen. And you've kind of drawn back, even in your prayer life. Maybe you need to leave something with God. I don't know what it may be, but we'd like to pray for you. Uh, Most importantly, if you're here and you're not right with God, that's your greatest need today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell, but the big thing is you want to get right with God. You're tired of the way you've been living you've tired of life as you've known it before, and you want Christ in the first of your life. You want to receive Christ. You want to put Him back in your life, and you want somebody to pray for you, and you need some help in that direction. We'd be honored to pray with you. So we're going to sing this song through one time, and our prayer team is going to come right now. And let me just invite you. You want prayer for anything? You need to make some commitment to Christ. Just come and join Him this morning around the altar. I love you very much. Thanks for
3: being here this morning. Lord, to be. Amen. We're going to continue worship just a little bit. The altars will be open,
0: especially if you can't answer this question: If you died today, would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? Please come to the altar, and uh, we can pray with you about that, so you can leave here knowing where you'd spend eternity. Remember, tonight at 6:30, want to encourage you—the uh, night of prayer, a night of worship. Please come out for that. I think it'll really be touched. Leaders, don't forget the meeting before. And otherwise, we'll see you Wednesday night for the big pep rally for the service for our small group uh, introduction.
3: See you then.